It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo and Maria in Miami, Jules in Minneapolis and Stan in central Indiana, taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations so you get the product you're looking for. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's Thursday, May 7th, which means it's the NFL schedule release day here in 2020. And speaking of the schedule, it should be dropping any second now. And Nick, I believe you said it just hit the app and we confirmed the leak. So we're all set to go for this episode. Of course, I'm Errol Soldewitt. And of course, I have my co-host Nicholas Moriano right here with me. And I know on top of today's schedule being released, May 7th is a very important day for Nick and your family. I know it's your father's 54th birthday. And Nick, I believe you made him rep some appropriate attire for it. Yeah, absolutely. I had my Brian Urlacher jersey just hanging up downstairs, and I like I have to make my dad wear this jersey, so I put it upstairs waiting at the table for him when he woke up, and he's like, what is this for? I'm like, Dad, you're 54 today. You're wearing the Brian Urlacher jersey. like, oh, that makes sense. So, yeah, today's his birthday. We had some, some, some dinner and went out for a walk. Might as well can when we can enjoy the weather, but just pretty chill day. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Anything you want to say to your dad? I know he watches every episode, and I know sometimes he's at work. Sometimes he's probably just downstairs at home. But is there anything you wanted to say to him? Well, I'll give you an opportunity here on the show. Yeah, Dad, if you're downstairs watching, don't know if you are, but you might come back and watch. I just want to wish you a happy 54th birthday. Happy birthday, Dad. (laughs) All (laughs) right. So, Nick, obviously the schedule is officially out. Are you ready to jump on in? I know we don't want to harp on it too much we've known the opponents for quite some time now but every year we do like to break down the schedule as soon as it's released and this year we've had to wait for a little bit longer than we have in the past but it's finally here so I'm excited to finally talk some Bears football now we know at least the schedule that is put forward which always makes it feel a little bit more real than just having a conceptual opponents list right yeah it definitely makes it like you said feel a little bit more real and hey we got something to look forward to if the season happens right yeah, that's a big if, but we'll uh, we're gonna act like it is for at least for this episode. So let's go ahead and analyze that 2020 Chicago Bears schedule, and let's do it like we always do. It's time to pay some homage to Lovey Smith and break this season down into quarters. So for the very first quarter of 2020, the Bears kicked things off week one, going to Detroit to face the Detroit Lions. Uh, they were three and two last year. This was a noon game. And a fun fact here, the Bears have won four of the last five, and we haven't lost in Detroit since 2017. 
Looking at week two, the Bears are at home, so their home opener will be week two against the New York Giants, a 4-12 and squad from a year ago. Uh, this is one where the Bears lost against the Giants in 2018, won a close one last year in November, 19-14. to So this should be a game that, even though on paper, the Bears should be able to handle. I have a hunch it's going to be probably a little closer. Looking at week three, traveling to Atlanta, to face the Falcons, a team that finished 7-9 and a year ago, and then wrapping up the first quarter of the 2020 schedule, Week 4, back at home against the Indianapolis Colts, a team that was 7-9 and last year. But, of course, they have Phillip Rivers at quarterback, which is going to be the big adjustment there for Indianapolis. So, Nick, looking at the first quarter of the season, any initial reaction or any storylines already on your radar? You know, I think for the Bears 2020 season, with a lot of question marks, just I think when you look at just the quarterback position in general with Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky, this is probably the most ideal situation you could have wanted for a first quarter of the season. It's not that daunting. When you look at an NFL schedule, you, I, obviously every Sunday is going to be a battle, but when you open up at Detroit, a team that the Bears have been able to take care of business, you know, just over the years. Then the Giants, who they faced last year, they took care of business as well. Atlanta is on a – it's a team right now that I think is about to get into that rebuilding stage but is still still going to try and remain competitive. And then you have Indianapolis, who's got – obviously, like you just mentioned, Will, Phillip Rivers. But I think if you just look at the first quarter of the season, this is how you would have wanted it to play out because it gives the Bears a nice – easy way and you know just a slight ease into the 2020 season they could fill out the quarterback position they could fill out just some of these newcomers that are going to be on this team and you don't face some of those teams that were again competing in the playoffs last season it's a nice way to kind of open up the 2020 season no absolutely you mentioned the strength of the opponent it's it's nice here not calling it a cakewalk it is the nfl the margin is slim but the first two weeks you have those opponents, Lions and Giants, only seven wins combined for those two teams last year. And then, of course, both the Falcons and Colts each finished 7-9 and nine last year. So like you said, these are all rather, I would say, beatable opponents, games the Bears should be in. I don't see any of these games and have any immediate fears right now, You know, even though Todd Gurley's on the Falcons. I uh, don't know how healthy that knee is. And really, the Bears have done a decent job of keeping Todd Gurley when he was a Ram in check for the most part in those games over the past couple of seasons as well. But yeah, I mean, when you look at all of them, they're all relatively average. I know on defense, the Giants were pretty bad last year. Same thing with Detroit. Uh, The Falcons, I'll put them in that same category as well. The Colts were more middle of the road across the board. And the Falcons, they had a pretty good offense last year. But going up against our defense, an offense that finished top five in total yards and 13th in scoring, Again, I know Todd Gurley's there, but it's not going to change the end result to me. I have a lot of confidence in his Bears defense. I think I'm sure you'd feel the same. So looking at this, it feels like each win or each each week should be a win. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not trying to get too far ahead of myself here, but on top of just who we're playing, Nick, I'm really a fan of the times here because each four of these games are at noon. And I know primetime games are fun, but... For a Bears team that had so many expectations last year, they were put in prime time and you know over a, a good chunk of that schedule. To have them just start the season right there in the middle, right at the noon games, so they're just you know hiding in the background a little bit. They can kind of you know, keep their head down low and kind of keep their nose to the grindstone a little bit against these beatable teams. You can't get caught up in the moment when you kind of 
have this type of initial schedule. So for me, you're playing teams you should be able to beat. You're playing them in that noon round. So you're going to just be you know, a typical game, no, nothing special about them. And for a team that's just trying to refocus and recalibrate and, of course, probably not get caught up in any expectations this year, and the Bears are obviously underrated probably heading into this year, it's good to see them not in the limelight, at least to kick off this season. What about you? Yeah, I think that is a good way, again, to start the season, not having these primetime games, because I think that's where we see, you know, so at times the Bears just kind of not meet the expectations, right? But the game that, if, look, oh, I'm looking at this quarter of the season, all winnable games like we've been talking about. But I think it's the week three matchup at Atlanta. If we're looking for a possible, oh, maybe this is where the Bears actually lose one, that might be it. You're going to, I think, is a, a very hard place to play in, in, in Atlanta, but even though you don't have a, they do have a Todd Gurley. They lost an Austin Hooper, went to the Cleveland Browns. It's still an explosive offense, so the Bears are probably going to have to, if the defense doesn't show up. But I mean, with this Bears defense, you're expecting it. But this is the game that I'm kind of looking at in the first quarter of the season, where it's probably going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot tougher than it just looks on the schedule, just based off the record wise and things like that. But Atlanta Week Three. That might be the one where if the Bears lose that one, I'm not going to say that I was too surprised. Just that, and this is right now. We're looking at it. Just the schedule just um, was just released a couple minutes ago. But I think this would be the one that Bears fans should keep their eye on. And obviously we'll see after the first two weeks of the season where these two teams are standing at that point. That's a good call there, Nick. That really is. Because, of course, when you go on a road, that is a little bit of a different type of test in Atlanta is a very tough place to play. They have a really nice stadium. A lot of fans get in there. It gets pretty rowdy in that dome. So, yeah, that's a really good call there. If you're looking for not a trap game, I don't think that's what you're really saying, but if you wanted to be worried about a game in the first four weeks, heading to Atlanta may just be the one. All right, let's moving in to the second quarter of the season. They kick it off week five, first primetime game of the year, Thursday night football. You have a short week to go up against Tampa Bay uh, and Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Really intriguing matchup. Of course, Tom Brady, he is perfect against the Bears in his career. The Bears have never beaten Tom Brady, and to have a short week to prepare for him, and an offense that finished last year third in yards, fourth in points, and now they have Tom Brady. Whew, that one, of course, is already one that you circle and underscore and highlight to make sure you have that one on your radar heading into the year. Uh, after that, week six, you head over to Carolina to take on the Panthers, who finished last year 5-11. and 11. Week seven, you have, so this is your first, uh, another back-to-back away stretch. So you hit East Coast, and now you go all the way to the West Coast to take on the LA Rams, who finished last year of nine and seven. And then week eight, you're back home, but it's a doozy of a game. You're going up against New Orleans Saints. Uh, So Nick, looking at weeks five, six, seven, and eight, what stands out to you? Yeah, this is a this is where it gets real for the Bears season. Let's be completely honest. After they kind of ease into things with this first four games, you get Tampa Bay, a Thursday night football game, prime time against the GOAT, Tom Brady. And you bring in Gronkowski and all the weapons they had there. We've got to see what this team looks like, though, within the first four weeks of the season. There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of new pieces that Brace uh, Arians, sorry, uh, Arians is working with there. You have to see how it comes together, but it is Tom Brady. Like you said, he is undefeated against the Bears. That was all with the Patriots, obviously, in his 20-year career there. But that is, that's a game where um, if you're the Bears, obviously it's going to be at home. 
but that's a tough one. And then you go to Carol or you go to Carolina. They have Teddy Bridgewater as a quarterback there. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is going to be the focal point that week. How to stop him in the receiving game in the backfield? DJ Moore is a quality receiver. But the Rams, the Bears, and Rams have been going at it for the last couple of years. Last year, they got the Bears in LA, and then the year before that. The Bears win on, what was it, Santa's sleigh, the play that uh, went to Bradley Sowell in the back right corner of the end zone. And then you have the Saints. They completely annihilated the Bears last season. This is a – this is I think if you look at this entire schedule, this is going to really determine what the Bears kind of do, what they do in this part because two games, Tampa Bay and the Saints, it, those theoretically can be losses. They realistically can be losses for the Bears because they're really good opponents. Yeah, this one, like you said, the first four weeks, it's it's an easing up period. You're getting your feet wet. You're getting used to it. It's a good time to you know work on your installs and refine your game plan because once you hit week five, things get real, Nick. Uh, they really do, and you mentioned it. You know, Tampa Bay, as much as they scare me uh, with what we're expecting this Bears defense to look like, that should be a great matchup. You're looking at a potential top five offense versus a top five defense right there. And of course, anytime you have those matchups, that's always really exciting. And usually in our cases, the defense reigns supreme, which is exciting as a Chicago Bears fan. And, you know, even the Panthers, even though they were five and 11 last year, I know they made some moves and they're probably, you know, they're moving on from Ken Newton. So that one is one that if you're going to overlook a game, that'll be the one to do it. But we all know Nick in the NFL, if you go overlook an opponent, that's bad news as well. And, you mentioned the Rams, you know, splitting the last two meetings. Uh, really, when you look at it, each time a team has won, it's been the home team. So for me, uh, my biggest question here is, can the Bears actually beat the Rams on the road? Can the Bears win in L.A.? That's going to be one of the bigger questions to answer here. And, of course, the Saints. It's not just the Ted Ginn Jr. revenge game. I mean, there's a lot at stake here. You said they put a spanking on the Bears last season. And so hopefully for everyone who's coming back, which is the vast majority of this team, they remember that. And they use that as good motivation, good fuel. This one's a 325 slot, so I'm assuming America's Game of the Week on Fox. Uh, so that yeah. should, be a, should be a big game for them. It's going to be... Even though it's not a primetime, primetime game, it's going to have a national audience for the most part. And it's going to be a very, you know, it's going to be a tough one. I mean, the Saints went very far last year. They're a very good football team. And obviously, when you have to face Drew Brees and Tom Brady in a four-week stretch, uh, you just kind of have to, you know, tighten up your chin straps a little bit and uh, get to work. Any other thoughts here in the second quarter? It's uh, like you said, things are starting to get real once you enter this stretch. Yeah, absolutely. I think just the when you look at the quarterbacks in this this round, obviously you mentioned Tom Brady and, and um, Drew Brees, but the Rams, Jared Goff, and that that Rams team for me, they're just so up and down and inconsistent. I think just with their how they've been since they reached the Super Bowl, and even leading up to that, that offense is just it hasn't been the same under Sean McVay. So. It's going to be an, it's going to be a good matchup. Again, it's not that prime time slot, but like you said, well, maybe if these teams are doing what they're supposed to do up until what um, six weeks of the season, going into that seventh game, could be a a good matchup for the two. Especially in the N NFC conference games are going to be so important, especially now that there is a seventh team that can make the playoffs. Uh, both these teams are in divisions where it's very competitive, so you definitely want to win you know, this matchup if possible. And it's just going to be one where if the Bears were to lose three games here, I mean, you're setting yourself back starting off possibly from a, you know, potentially 4-0 start to now being even almost even keel there. But it is um, it's going to be a tough stretch, and this will really show where the Bears are. 
Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. We know that they're competitive. They can be. If they have good quarterback play, you know the defense is going to be there. But you're going up against some, I think, high-caliber teams. And the Saints were 13-3 and last season. They were tied yeah. with, you know, two other teams that were 13-3 and in the NFC. So it's going to be a tough matchup for sure. Uh, one other comment I saw here from Manny on Periscope, at least about that Rams game. Don't forget, that is a Leonard Floyd reunion game as well. So he has something a little bit extra to play for. Uh, in that contest, and obviously that would be one for us to keep tabs on, I'm sure, throughout that entire game week. Uh, Leonard Floyd going up against his team that drafted him and let him go for Robert Quinn. I'm not complaining. No, same here. All right, well, obviously it's continuing to get real because as you enter the third quarter of this season, week nine, you're heading over to Nashville to take on the Titans, who even though they finished nine and seven a year ago, they got hot at the right time, found their way going all the way to the AFC championship game. So we're going up against one of those teams. Week 10, after so it takes nine weeks, if my calculations are correct, from week one against the Lions, all the way here to week 10 to have our second divisional game, which is going to be against the Vikings, uh, which is a Monday night football game, which I forgot to mention that the Rams won was Monday night football. So this is our two of two, our second and final Monday night football game of the year here at week 10. The Bears follow that up on a bye week, which, you know, honestly, when you already have a Monday night football game and then looking up next when week 12 is the Packers and you're heading to Lambeau, I like having the bye week there. A good time to prepare for Green Bay, going to Lambeau, and uh, obviously you already had to face Tom Brady on a short week. Didn't want to do it again here with Aaron Rodgers, presumably Aaron Rodgers, maybe Jordan Love. Maybe getting a little too presumptuous over there as well. But then they kick off or they wrap up, I should say, uh, the third quarter uh, facing the Lions for the second time. Uh, So this will be a back-to-back. This is back-to-back-to-back divisional games? That looks like, yeah. I didn't even notice that until you brought it up there. Well, yeah, that's exactly what it is. So uh, what are your thoughts there? I mean, obviously the third quarter you have three divisional opponents and then a team that could have ended up going to the Super Bowl last year in the Titans. Yeah, so it's week the stretch for second quarter, third quarter, where it'll determine the Bears' season, what they make of 2020. But when you don't, when you have three of those divisional games in this stretch here, and you only have faced one divisional opponent, yes, that's good leading up to this quarter. But now it's obviously going to come down to the wire whether you do what you do in this kind of quarter of the season. But like you said, the Titans are a team that were right there at the end in the AFC Championship game. They just kind of, you know, lost momentum a little bit. Um, And it's Patrick Mahomes. It kind of happens, right? But Minnesota, Monday night football game. Green Bay, a Sunday night football game. Then you have Detroit again. So it's a tough stretch for sure. But I think that bye week, week 11, I like it there. I think the later the bye week when you can just get everybody that's most likely going to be going through some kind of injury pains up to this point in the season – Give them a week of rest and then see what you can do Come, coming out to play Green Bay your first time playing them this season. 
it's just the Bears in bye weeks, they usually haven't been the best coming off those bye weeks. It's just something about them. We saw last year they have the Oakland game, bye week, New Orleans. They just don't come out to play. So hopefully Matt Nagy has figured out how to properly give these guys the rest they need during this bye week, but also have them prepared to play a very important Sunday night football game against Green Bay. But now looking, comparing quarters three to quarter two, I would have to give it to quarter three right now, Will, as being the more important part of this stretch just because of those divisional games. Yeah. I mean, those are going to weigh very heavily here. And whenever you have three and two of the three are going to be in prime time, of course, Monday night football, the Vikings, Sunday night football, the Packers. I'm glad there's a bye week in there. But you mentioned it too. The Bears tend to come out flat after a bye week. And I hope that going to Lambeau is the only remedy you need to not go out there and play flat. You know what's at stake there, especially at this point of the season. Uh, You know our history in Lambeau. So hopefully that's enough motivation. But it could be one of those games you have, you know, you have the bye week. You have to wait all the way to primetime. You're up there in Lambeau. If they come out flat, I mean, I know it's only May 7th, but... We can look back at it saying, like, well, I mean, we knew it could have been a possibility, and I'm sure we'll still be pretty pissed in the moment, but it's not going to really help us all too much right now. But other than that, of course, uh, the Packers being the first time here, that'll be our first uh, scratch of the Jimmy Graham and his, quote, revenge. I know the Saints are a former team that he's playing with as well, and I know you're looking at the bye week. I know you like the later bye. I like the wait later bye. Uh, I haven't seen one this late for the Bears in quite some time. Uh, the latest I saw was like week nine, which happened in 2014, 16, and 17. Uh, but the last two seasons, it's been week five and week six. And every year we thought those were a little too early. And I think mm-hmm. we're right. And I'm glad that week 11, it's a good time you should have your identity set. You just got to rest up, get healthy, and then get ready for this final stretch of the season a little less than the second half, which I think is usually where... Uh, fatigue starts to set in. So having it at week 11 is a good time to hit the reset button and regroup. And of course, like you said, get healthy. All right, moving on to the final quarter of the season, Nick. We stay at home here and we're going to face the Houston Texans who finished 10 and 6 a year ago. Then we're going to head over to Minnesota in week 15 to take on the Vikings for the second time. Go back in the road, heading south to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. Uh, who finished last season, of course, 6-10. and 10. Uh, Nick Foles is the big you know, storyline there to follow. I think that's an obvious one. And then we wrap up the season against the Packers at home. And it's the first time closing against Green Bay since 2013. Uh, for all intents and purposes, the Bears lost that one at home. Thanks, Tressman, I guess. But, Nick, looking at the fourth quarter, curious what your initial reaction is to it. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Texans match up. Bears fans are going to be keying in on this one just because they could have had Deshaun Watson over Mr. Trubisky. So that'll be the big storyline going into that one. And that's going to be a tough matchup as well. They were what had a 24 point lead over the chiefs. And then Patrick Mahomes does Patrick Mahomes things and, you know, leads them to a comeback victory. But at Minnesota, I don't. So I think looking at both the Minnesota matchups, I have this one being where, Look, if the Bears are going to split with the Packers and Vikings this season, this would be the one where they potentially take the L just because, look, it's it's a divisional matchup. If it's going to come down to the wire, it could possibly happen, especially being at Minnesota. But the Bears, you know, have been taking care of business against the Vikings and Lions as of late. Then Jacksonville, uh, look, they're not the same team that was just in the AFC Championship 
just what a couple of years ago. So I'm not too concerned with the Jacksonville Jaguars and then Green Bay again. You're hoping that if the Bears are splitting, they can take a victory and win at Soldier Field and, you know, just wrap up their season on the high note. But I look at this again, you have two divisional matchups, you have two AFC teams. So if you're going to lose anybody, lose these AFC teams, but it's still, if it's going to come down to a stretch, getting that potentially seventh playoff spot or wherever the Bears may land, it's still a tough stretch when you look at just the quarterback play that's going to be in this stretch too, Deshaun Watson, whatever you want to think about or say about Kirk Cousins, and then you have Aaron Rodgers. And if you're afraid of Gardner Minshew, I, I, can, I don't know what to tell you. But, you know, you have some good quarterbacks that are in this last quarter of the season. Yeah, you said it. Two more division games, and I was doing some quick math here. That means five of the final seven games for the Bears this year are going to be divisional games. So obviously, I know we talked about almost each one of these quarters. Are, they're important. I mean, the whole season is, and that's what makes the NFL so such an amazing sport that each week does matter. But when you look at the five of the final seven being divisional games, like those are the meals you have to eat. If you want to win this division, you need to find a way to win the majority of those games. And of course, if they weren't anyway, we probably have similar problems. But I do think they take extra precedence when they are in your own backyard, in your own division right there in the black and blue uh, NFC North. Uh, other than that, any other small storylines I see, of course, you have the Mingo revenge game against the Texans as well. Uh, again, he was a third string guy. Don't really, I'm not going to look too much into that. But to Sean Gibson, and we're going to talk about him in a little bit, he's going up against two of, his, two of his former teams in Jacksonville and the Texans in this stretch, which is interesting. You know, we've seen uh, Jimmy Graham do the same thing earlier in the year with the Saints and the Packers, and Gibson's doing it here, of course, with Houston and Jacksonville. But yeah, really interesting. And the only other thing I wanted to bring up here in that final quarter is I love how it ends, just like it began with straight up noon games. Again, not putting the Bears too much into prime time, especially if they're fighting for a wild card spot here. Or perhaps, I mean, honestly, the division's going to be at stake here at this final stretch. So I like that they're all going to end up at noon. Uh, that way they can just take care of business without too much pressure from you know the national audience on them, which we've seen mixed results on here from the Bears over the past couple of seasons. So I like how the season begins with noon games and ends with another good stretch of those as well. Hide the primetime games in the middle of the season. I, I like the overall thought process behind it. Yeah, we didn't have enough noon games last year, and it was just it was weird not seeing them in that time slot. But you never know. At this point in the season, there's a lot of games that are being flexed as well, and it's a good thing if we see the Bears are being flexed to a primetime game. That means they're they got to somewhat be doing well. So if there's a primetime slot that gets maybe slotted for the Texans game, it's going to be highly anticipated. Maybe it's Mitch. Maybe, maybe not. Presumably not Nick Foles versus Deshaun Watson there. But that would be an interesting mix-up if that were to happen towards the end of the season as well. Yeah, in Week 16, Nick Foles and the Jaguars, the team that he obviously wanted out of. He's like, get me out of Jacksonville, please. This was a huge mistake. And you took a pay cut to make it happen. And of course, I'm assuming here he'll be the quarterback there in week 16. You never know. We could be talking about Mr. Trubisky versus Deshaun Watson here in this stretch. That could be a potential storyline as well, yet again. Uh, and of course, then if that happens, then the Nick Foles and Jaguars would be the only storyline to be Nick Foles is either on the bench and or I'm not going to say what the other alternative could be. Um, but looking forward, uh, looking at this schedule as a whole, is there anything else that stands out immediately besides the fact that we'll start? At least we already know we're starting 1-0. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's always a good... As soon as I saw the sketch, I was like, we're opening it against Detroit. Thank goodness. I, I mean, look, the Lions, for the longest time, have been trying to rebuild, and they're still currently rebuilding, what, four years into their rebuild. So it's not a team that I think Bears fans should worry about. I know it's a divisional game. They played them you know, tight last year, even in the both both the games they played, but it's Detroit. You don't... It's, it's just how it goes. But I think just now looking at it again and you saying it will all those divisional games in that tight time span that is going to be it's it's going to determine what the bears do in 2020 you have to take care of your divisional opponents and with them all coming really towards the end of the 2020 season quarter three quarter four you just have to take care of business it's it's at the utmost important for the bears to you know come out against their divisional opponents and play well and look I look at Green Bay and what they did in the draft, and I don't think they got much better. I really don't. They didn't do anything to really assess um, Aaron Rodgers' efficiencies like at the wide receiver position. Don't know why they did that, but they didn't. Then you have Minnesota that lost all their all their secondary nearly. So I like the Bears' chances in these divisional games, but we'll see what ends up happening there. Uh, Manny is slaying it here in Periscope in the chat. Thank you. One more storyline we omitted, which I'm not surprised we forgot, is Trey Burton and the Colts. That's right. Um, Not surprised. Yeah, so, I mean, we didn't no. see him too much last year. He just kind of was in the shadows. And who knows if well, if he didn't play the Eagles, would he play us? I'm kidding. I mean, we're not going into all of that here <laughs> in the podcast. But uh, this something just to throw out there. But all right. So we talked about, of course, this, there's going to be peaks and valleys like there are with uh, every schedule. So, Nick, when you're looking at the, these games, do you have an easiest stretch? Is it going to just be the first four weeks? Because that's what I have. I think it has to be just because you look at the opponents. None of those guys, none of those teams went to the playoffs last season, and they're still trying to figure out things. Like I said, with the Lions, the Giants. I mean, can you? I can't even name really a defensive starter that the Bears really have to worry about. Maybe that's just me and not having enough knowledge there. But the Giants' defense doesn't really scare me. Their offense is still trying to build off of Daniel Jones and try to put the right pieces with Saquon Barkley there. But that's not a you know a scary matchup. Atlanta, like I said, yes, they get Todd Gurley, they lose Austin Hooper, but it's like there are things that these teams are still working through. And you have the the bridge quarterback with Philip Rivers in Indianapolis, so they're still figuring out things as well. I think that has to be the easiest stretch because all these teams, even like the Bears, are still trying to find ways to um, fill the holes that are currently on their teams. Exactly, and that's what makes this point of the offseason real interesting like we know what they did in free agency we know what teams did in the draft we just really don't know how it's all going to come together probably until you know even midway into the season I mean that's usually how the NFL schedule works I mean teams start off slow they get hot the opposite happens as well and as of right now it feels like an easy stretch but you never know one of those teams can put some pieces together and end up being a much more uh, I was going to say dominant force, but I felt like that may be a slight stretch, but I'll use it anyway. A dominant force here, maybe, that we are expecting, um, which also leads into the next part of this, which is what's going to be the hardest stretch. For me, I'm splitting a couple quarters here. I'm looking uh, either week 7 through 12 or week 8 through 12, depending on where you want to kind of categorize the Rams. But Rams, Saints, Titans, Vikings, Packers, that's a tough stretch. Yeah, that is a very tough stretch there, Will. Um, I would... Yeah, I think if I'm look really just looking at this, I'll say just quarter three in general. Looking at that quarter specifically, 
Titans is not going to be an easy matchup unless the Bears just completely take out Henry. Then you make that team just a little bit more one-dimensional, but there's some good receivers out there in Tennessee. And then Minnesota, Monday Night Football, it's going to be a tough matchup. Yes, you have the bye week for Green Bay, but it's at Green Bay. The last time the Bears have won in Green Bay, I believe, is the Thanksgiving Jay Cutler game, if I'm not mistaken. So it's been a while since the Bears have had some success in at Lambeau Field. And then, yes, it's Detroit, but... It's still a divisional game, and I said not to worry about them, and probably still shouldn't worry about them. But, again, another divisional matchup, and we'll see where the lines are at that point in the season. But I'm looking at quarter three as being that real grind, really. It's going to be a grind that that quarter. Yes, you get the bye, but it's going to be tough for sure. Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, really, you said quarter three, which was part of mine as well. Just that entire middle glob that is the schedule (laughs) – is very uh it's daunting but if the bears want to be a team to beat this year or a team that makes it into the playoffs you have to find a way to just get it done and you know uh grin it and bear down aha see what i did there <laughs> I, all right i did you did i'm glad that you were able to catch that i'm sure everyone else is like well quit the dad jokes so we'll move on uh nick usually at this time we like to kind of help determine our annual meetup uh, so it was two years ago or so that we decided, hey, we'll go to Miami to root on the Bears of Miami in 2018. A year ago today, or a year ago or so, we decided we'll go to the Chiefs game. So we need to figure out what game we're going to this year. And Nick, all I'm going to say is we need a win because it's been a tough stretch. We haven't seen a win since uh, the Eddie Jackson game during his rookie year uh, the, uh, when he had both of those defensive touchdowns. So it's been some time. Yeah, it definitely has. And I mean, the game that I would love to go to, again, if there's a season, if we can get tickets, is versus Tampa Bay. I do want to see Tom Brady play at Soldier Field Thursday night football. I think that would be a a great matchup. But if we're looking to go see a victory, it might not be the one to go to. But you have another one that I think is really interesting. Again, it won't be an easy matchup, but I'll let you tell uh, our listeners which game that is. Yeah, I'm thinking if, you know, we've we've done away game, home game. So if we go back to away game, if you follow our pattern here, looking at the away schedule, Tennessee, Nashville, you're looking second week of November. It's a beautiful city. It'd be a great time to go down there right in the fall to watch a football game right there in the afternoon. Bears, Titans. I know Bears fans will drink the city dry. That's usually what they do when they go down there. So it'd be a great time. Uh, so that's I think we're debating between Buccaneers and Titans right now. And obviously, we got to make sure the season's going to happen. The schedule doesn't change or anything of that nature. But as it sounds today, those will be the two that we're kind of leaning toward. Yeah, I mean the Tennessee matchup sounds like it would be like a it would be a great time just to go down there. I've never been to Tennessee. My brother went last year just in Nashville, had a great time. So he said you have to go there whenever you get the chance. So this would be a great opportunity, and maybe I think it would be a better opportunity to see a, a Bears victory as well. But it's still going to be a tough matchup. But those are the two games, and I think those are they're going to be a fun time regardless. Regardless of the Bears win, we always have a great time. Well, but. I think Tennessee, I mean, now that we're kind of talking about it, I'm, I'd am i be down to go to Tennessee. Tennessee, is a, Nashville's a great city. There's a lot of good food. I can show you around. I've been a handful of times. It'd be a really good time. I also see uh, someone in the chat, scroll back up, uh, Robert said that we need to go see the Bears versus the Rams out in L.A. Never been to the West Coast in my life, so that would also be a bucket list item as well. So uh, I know you get free flights no matter where you go, Nick. 
Mr. Standby. Uh, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see how that all changes with you know everything going That's around true. right now. You never know. So you I never know. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. We can. We'll have to see if we can even fly. Like, I guess safely. At least we can road. We can road fly. trip to Tennessee. That's not too bad. I can do that one. I know you hate car rides, but I don't think I can I'll take look. you all the way to the West Coast. Yeah, no, I I get irritated really quickly. <laughs> Just put in your stupid wireless headphones and lay down in the back seat, take a nap, and. We'll be there probably in a day or two. Oh, God, no. All right, uh, real quickly, I do every year, I like to look at some stats uh, just about where teams ranked a year ago and compare them to previous seasons. So just bear with me for a second. Uh, The average offense against ranks 14th. In 2019, that rank was 16th. In 2018, that rank was 17th. So by far and large, the Bears are having some tougher opponents when it comes to offensive teams. Uh, The same thing goes for average points scored against uh, that is 14th, just like the other one. Uh, 2019, that rank was 17th, and that was also the same for 2018. So the Bears' defense will have a little bit of a tougher test overall, but nothing, again, with this Bears' defense, that shouldn't really matter too much. Now, where things get interesting is when you're looking at opponents' defenses. The average defensive rank from last season is 20th. It was 16th a year ago. It was 21st heading into 2018, and we know what the offense was able to do that season. So it's very close to the same strength of schedule when you're looking at opposing defenses that it was in 2018. So to me, that is interesting because, again, we saw what the offense can do that season compared to a year ago. Uh, There are four top 10 offenses in yards. There are three top 10 offenses in terms of points scored, uh, which is the same thing actually as a year ago, except there were three in yards and four in points. So those flip-flopped. Uh, This year, there are zero top 10 defenses the Bears are playing in terms of yards allowed, and only one defense that were in the top 10 in points allowed, which I believe was Minnesota, that finished sixth. Last year, we had five top 10 defenses we went up against in terms of yards and four in the top 10 in points allowed. So to only have zero at one, again, the offense may have itself a little bit of an easier road this year compared to last year. So as much as I know we saw the regression, we're hoping it would come back. When you're at least looking at opponents, they should be able to at least have an easier time getting back on track. So Nick, over to you. Uh, This is a fun one. What's going to be your way too early record prediction? I know we usually hold off, but this is the time where we give out our way too early one now that we actually have a schedule. So you want me to go first while you think about it? Yeah, that works best because I have something, but I'm going to think it over for a couple more seconds. Sounds good. I'm at 10 and 6. Uh, I'm playing a little bit more optimism here. My losses will be uh, Saints, Packers, Vikings, Buccaneers. I put Titans here, uh, which I guess we're damned if we do, damned if we don't between them and the Buccaneers uh, and Rams, just because, again, this seems like the home team. I know the Rams are probably on that downswing right now compared to years past, but just playing the playing the odds here, it seems like the home team wins those matchups. But the good news is maybe the Bears will finally beat the Texans. I know they have never beaten the Texans, just like they've never beaten Tom Brady. It would be amazing if we could get both of those monkeys off our backs here in 2020, but I don't know. I'll take one, which for me, it's going to be beating the Houston Texans. How about you? What's going to be your way too early prediction? Yes. So I have the Bears either going 11-5 or 9-7. and So the games that I have the Bears losing in that 11-5 stretch would be Tampa Bay, the Saints, then Green Bay or Sunday Night Football against Green Bay, the Texans, and then at Minnesota, 
in week 15. So that's the 11-5 season. Nine and seven, I could see it going either way with the, let's see, the the Rams game. You just never know. It's Again, it's going to be a, what, mid-afternoon game. You're at L.A., so that could be potentially a loss. And then also that Titans game. I could see that that's going to be a, a struggle for the Bears. The same loss, uh, the same losses in the, as the 11-5 season. So 11-5, 9-7 in that range. I think, I mean, just, again, initial look. The schedule was just released. But the Bears have some winnable matchups. They could start off hot. It's just really quarter two, quarter three. There, there's a couple of games in quarter two. But really quarter three for me is where we'll see where the Bears really are at. Exactly. We're going to find out at that point who the Bears are. Any final thoughts on the schedule? Are we ready to move on to our second agenda item today? Let's go to our second agenda item. All right. So with that, wrapping up our schedule analysis, and before we call it a day, we did want to take some time to discuss what we're going to call the two key veteran signings. Uh, we've been micro-focused on the draft over the last two weeks. Of course, we've been collecting uh, a ton of interviews. Nick's done a great job of continuing that this week. Uh, I know he had a great podcast that came out yesterday as well. And now it's time to pay attention, though, because these are some low-key signings, at least around the league. But here in Chicago, I think are going to pay some pretty high dividends. Uh, the first one I want to bring up today is going to be the signing, of course, of uh, of course, of Gibson. Uh, he is turning 30 here in August. And, of course, uh, whenever you bring in a safety, Nick, we were hoping it would have been a pure box safety. But when you're looking at Gibson's career, uh, he's been more of a free than a strong safety I know he's been around for the media lately saying he doesn't care what his role is. He can play in the box. He can play center field. He's going to do whatever he's asked. He said it's, he's pretty interchangeable. Uh, he's just played with more, quote, box types, so he's been asked to play more free safety. So for me, I mean, there's a lot to like about Gibson and what he brings to the table in terms of his ball mentality. You see it on the film. It's the way he plays the game. He's always looking to take away the football, evident with his 23 career picks, eight of them coming in the last three seasons. When you're looking at uh, signing Tashawn Gibson, what stands out to you? And obviously, it may have gone a different route than we thought, but I don't think any of them expected Gibson to be on the market when he was. And Brian Pace got him here. It's a veteran minimum contract, so super team friendly. And I think all that combined turns this into a really great signing. Yeah, so, I mean, when you look at Sean Gibson, kind of what he brings, like you said, Will, he has mostly played that free safety position, but the Bears just experimented with that with HaHa Clendix last season. And you know what? For the most part, Eddie Jackson, HaHa Clendix, they did a good job being the deep end of that, that defense there. Yes, I think a lot of fans would like to see Eddie Jackson being that single high guy, but Chuck Pagano likes playing two deep safeties. And if the most ideal situation would have two guys that are familiar and capable of roaming around the back end of that defense. So I think just this season, you want to see Eddie Jackson just being a little bit more of that single high, not to say that's going to happen with Sean Gibson there, but it's a one-year deal. We've seen Ryan Pace do this a bunch of times. And there have been times where early on where it's failed. You think of like, well, well, I don't think Marcus Whedon was a one-year deal, but it ended up being one year and out. <laughs> yeah. But there, there's been times where it has worked, and like a Prince of Mukamara where it's a one-year deal, and it's played dividends where you get some productive years out of a player. So we'll see what happens, but there's been a lot of players that have come to Chicago playing this defense and have done some good things. And there's also some continuity with Buster Screen there. I think uh, Sean Gibson was just saying that that relationship has been his strongest one that he's had in the NFL. So – 
you want to have guys that have some familiarity in the secondary, and at least he has Buster Screen there. I'm sure he's going to work well with Jalen Johnson, Kyle Fuller, and Eddie Jackson too, but I, I like the signing. It does upgrade the safety position for sure. Now, of course, you've been pretty vocal and adamant that you would have been okay with a Dion Bush. Do you see Bush now as a primary backup, or does he still have a chance to earn a job here in camp? No, I would say now he gets slotted to that backup role. When you have to go a big nickel, that's where you'll see Dion Bush probably enter the game. So, again, he's going to have limited reps like he has his entire career with the Bears, but... Look, the Ryan Pace did a good he did a good thing by bringing in Sean Gibson because it is an upgrade over a Deion Bush. Like I said, I would have been comfortable with him starting, but bringing a guy like Deshaun Gibson shows more of this win now mentality like it has been the entire offseason with a lot of the moves the Bears have made. So it was a good move for sure. I would have like I said, I would have been comfortable with Deion Bush, but it looks like we'll probably only see him if there's an injury or if the Bears go into that big nickel packages. Now, I know you hit on this briefly, but I do want to get your thoughts on how the Bears should or how you envision them using both of these safeties. Again, they're both interchangeable. Uh, Eddie Jackson did play more in the box last year than he has in the past. Not saying that's maybe where he is best utilized. So for you, Nick, how should Pagano use both of these safeties? I know maybe you're not qualified to tell him how to do his job, but if you had your if your way here, how would you use them? Would you just make one you know, would you make Eddie Jackson the free and put Gibson in the box, or would you interchange them out depending on the opponent? Uh, just curious how you think the Bears can get, of course, the most most maximized potential on both these safeties. Yeah, so I think a lot of it's going to happen on a game to game basis, where the defensive scheme and how the the team is trying to play the Bears defense is going to dictate which safety kind of rolls down. But I think that Eddie Jackson did a lot of a lot of those pick sixes, those interceptions were coming when he's just jumping routes kind of underneath a little bit. So it's not that he's playing he's playing a single high, but then he's just rotating over and getting underneath these routes sometimes. You look at the the pick six against Detroit, what was that, two years ago now. All Eddie Jackson doing is reading the the tight end going on the out route and he's just rotating over and jumping that. That's where you kind of want to see Eddie Jackson in a little bit more. I guess that's a little bit more single high. So I guess that would be the ideal situation. But how Chuck Pagano likes to use his safeties, they're both going to be the two deep guys. And based off of the, uh, the offensive alignment, the scheme, the formation. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Then you'll see the the safeties kind of rotate at the last second to, one, not disclose what they're doing on defense and to hopefully confuse the quarterback. But you just want Eddie Jackson to have as much flexibility and just options to jump routes as possible. And if you have Deshaun Gibson being a guy that can maybe play a deeper half so so Eddie Jackson can go jump a route, I'm all for it because that's where Eddie Jackson gets his money. That's why he's the highest paid safety. And that's what we have to see more in 2020. Absolutely. I'm glad you kind of went that route because that's the route I was hoping that you would go. It would be, of course, nice to put Jackson where he thrives, where he's a little bit more natural. And even for Gibson, he's still someone, you know, even if he would play more in the box than he has in his career, 
he has the ball, like I said, the ball attitude, the ball mentality, the ball production, uh, like 23 career interceptions just from him as well. And there's multiple seasons with three, four plus. That's exciting. With this defense, with this pass rush, he should have his fair share of opportunities as well. And when you have both of those guys back there, it makes for a real scary combination. No one's going to want to throw it on either of those safeties, where last year maybe they could pick on haha Clinton Dix just a little bit more than maybe they would a Gibson. All right, so let's move on. We also have to talk about Ted Ginn Jr. here. He did just turn in 35s, but the Bears finally or continue to add more speed to their offense by signing of Ginn. Uh, obviously, that came shortly after drafting another speedster in Darnell Mooney. So Pace, he's not putting all of his eggs in one mid-round draft pick basket, which is a pretty wise move, if you ask me. Now, Again, he's coming off a three-year stint in New Orleans. Uh, he hit IR in October of 2018 with a knee injury, but in 2017 and 19, and those two years where he played a full schedule, uh, he was able to make an impact with over 500 yards per season on average, as well as 14 yards per catch. So, Nick, I'm curious for your thoughts on, A, is again a lock to make this roster? I think it has to be, yes. And if so, what is it? what will be his impact on this offense? Obviously, he is 35, but he's mentioned that age is just a number. He still has the speed to help this offense take flight, an offense that really lacked explosive plays a year ago. And the hope here is that Ginn can help bring back some of that spark. And so I'm curious how you envision this Ginn signing playing out. Yeah, it's interesting because I was listening to the Hogan Johns podcast, what was it, yesterday, and just how they were kind of phrasing it. It's like if Ted Ginn is, makes a team, if he makes a team. So it was interesting to hear, you know, those guys, Adam Hogan, Adam Johns kind of talk about him in, you know, that way. But I think he does ultimately make the team. And he is obviously a deep threat to where you want to be targeting Ted Ginn most likely when he is, you know, 15 yards down the field. Somewhere where it's a little not just at the sticks, not at the 10-yard, 5-yard line. You want to be hitting this guy when he's deep down the field. And that's how the Saints have used him, especially last season. I think he was number three in terms of how quarterbacks targeted him, where he was in the progression of his route. So he was a third farthest, I guess, target last season at, out of all wide receivers. So Ted Ginn was used deep down the field. That's how I hope Matt Nagy kind of envisions him in this offense. Again, if he does make the team, which I think he will, but it is a crowded, it gets to become a little bit of a crowded room now. We were just talking mm-hmm. about wide receiver being a position. The Bears didn't have much depth before the draft. Then after the draft, they get Mooney, and obviously they get Ginn. You have Javon Williams, Riley Ridley, a bunch of guys that you want to see, you want to see some out of in 2020. It's just going to be interesting how Matt Nagy can get all these playmakers, put in Cordero Patterson in that mix as well. There's a lot of guys. So it's going to be interesting how he can use them, but I want this guy to be a burner. He said, you know, despite the age, he still has it. And that's why the Bears have brought him in to be that guy that can take off, take the top off a of defense. So you want to be targeting him down the field, whether it's Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky. That's where I want to see Ted Ginn be utilized. That will maximize his ability, too. That's what he's done throughout his career, and that's how the Bears should use him because the Bears need just more explosive plays. They ranked last last season in explosive plays. They need to get that improved in 2020 if they want to have any improvements on the offense. 
Absolutely. I mean, obviously he brings the speed and I know Mooney does as well. And it should be a really good mentor for Mooney. And I will be curious to your thoughts on how, you know, maybe both of those receivers can make this roster and what that could do to this offense. Of course, if you have two guys with that elite speed, I mean, just thinking through my head, there's oh, that opens up things so much and you can have, you know, one in there, uh, inter- interchange them for the other. Um, but of course that may not actually end up being the case as well. And when it comes to, again, maybe we do need to temper some expectations because I know he only had two catches and 26 yards per game last year. So that's, those aren't eye-boggling numbers. And I think if you look at the final four games of the year, he only had three catches for 41 yards. So by no means is Ted Ginn going to be the solution. But I think if he had what I'm going to call a special role in this offense, that could help him, at least uh, in some spot situations, alleviate some of that pressure, take the top off of a defense, which we need, which could open things up underneath, which has value in its own right. So when it comes to what you see out of Ginn Jr. next year, if he makes this team, what would be those proper expectations? We're not going to expect him to go out there to have a seven, 800-yard season, right? No, I don't think that would be realistic for a Ted Ginn Jr. Uh, even if... Look, you can get value out of a guy even if the safeties are just respecting that he's on the field. Like you can't jump a route uh, normally just because that speed is there. You have to take it take it in account, right? So um, I think realistically, making the team, it's so hard to gauge just with all the guys they have there. Is he just get slide into the Z position, which was Taylor Gabriel's position, and does he? Does he ultimately start there? It's because that position right now is vacant. It's either Riley Ridley's or it's Riley Ridley's or maybe a Darnell movie. Mooney gets it implemented in there. But rookie receivers, we've seen even Anthony Miller took some time to get acclimated. So it's I'm still trying to find out if Ted Ginn is already projected a starter. If he's making if he's making this team, there's so many variations here. But yeah. I, I couldn't even give you what he might do in a season because most likely it's going to be limited opportunities, but big play opportunities. So he could have a lot of yards on one, two catches, but it's just how many is he going to consistently get throughout a season? Like you said, he's catch what two, two balls and whatever many yards per yeah, game like two last for 26 season. last year. So not great. Yeah. So it's not like even with Drew Brees and you have Michael Thomas, which a lot of the defense are catering to him. He didn't produce as much. So I think we have to just temper expectations in Chicago because there's a lot of things they have to figure out in offense before Ted Gidd Jr. becomes, you know, a big player for them. I'm excited to when we get to our countdown to camp series, which I know will be kicking off here soon-ish, to get to the receiver episode because trying to calculate who's going to make this team, who's not, who's on the bubble. There's a lot of bubble kind of guys here, and it can go really any way depending on how camp shakes out. So this is going to – that will be one of the more – jam-packed and really intriguing episodes out of all the positional previews we'll be doing here on the podcast. That's one that I'm definitely looking forward to because like you said, there's a lot of variables, a lot of variations of how that wide receiver room could end up looking come the actual season. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to mention about these two players? Uh, on top of you know them being veterans with a wide breadth of experience, I do like that they both came you know after they're not going to count against the comp pick equation. So that's going to be helpful for our future draft pick stock. And secondary, secondarily, 
on top of that, both of them signed for veteran minimums. So like the value here is tremendous. I think Gibson may be a little bit more than Ginn Jr. Just based off of Gibson's presumably going to be a starter on this defense. And Ginn Jr., like you said, probably more, uh, at least what I'm mentioning too, as a special role in this offense. But still to land those on team-friendly deals uh, for some guys who've been around for a while and I think provide a lot of value to not just this team, but also the locker room. Overall, I know we were wondering what Ryan Pace would have up his sleeve after the draft because we always know there's going to be that third wave here. But for it to be as concise as it was and also as, I think, valuable, it was, it was a very it was a pleasure to watch come through. Yeah, very underrated maybe in terms of the league seeing like these moves being made. But I think these are good moves for this season because there's no guarantee either of these two guys will be on the 2020 or 2021 Bears team. But for this season, needing a guy at, you know that brings some speed, needing a starting safety – Ryan Pace got these guys for, like you said, the veteran minimum, which is what you want to be looking for at this stage of you know, the season, right? So good moves by Ryan Pace. We'll see how they obviously play out, how you they implement Ted Ginn throughout the offense. And I think we expect Sean Gibson to start at safety alongside A. Jackson, but underrated, but I think really good moves. Is there anything else you wanted to mention before we wrap up the show today? No, it's just good to you know talk about. I guess this is relatively new. Obviously, we knew who the Bears' opponents were. Now we have them slotted in what order they'll be in. But fun to talk some Bears football with you, Will. It always is. We haven't had a normal show since our mock draft special, so it's been some time. I mean, we did the reaction shows. They're just a little different than the ones that we're at least more prepared for and we organize beforehand and we kind of hammer out what we want to talk about. So it is nice to get back to a normal flow. The only other thing I want to mention is I'm pretty freaked out. Because uh, you remember how we mentioned that, of course, the Bears will be starting the season 1-0? Mm-hmm. I think a Don Burgos came into the chat literally seconds after and was in there for a while here on YouTube. And I haven't seen that I name think I saw over that. a year. Yeah, it's like I, I, I summoned him by saying that. I am officially <laughs> freaked out. That's weird. It sure is. But all right, that's going to do it. I want to thank each and every one of you for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. We really do appreciate all the support that you provide us. Uh, Nick, quick math question for you. What is 600 minus 585? 15. 15. That's right. We're only 15 reviews away from giving a free Chicago Bears jersey to one lucky listener. So if you want to enter the giveaway, all you need to do is rate or review our show on Apple Podcasts. And once we reach that magic number of 600, we'll be giving away a free Chicago Bears jersey of choice. Actually, I got myself a first one in a long time. It's a Walter Payton one from last year's alternate throwback uniform. I haven't bought a jersey in quite some time. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know why. But I uh, went safe here and got a Walter Payton one. So very excited about that. Um, and also, if I like your review enough, I'll make sure to add it to our brand new reviews page, which is up on the website. Uh, it's been recently released, and it's just a lot of fun to continue to put uh, all the kind of words you put behind our show out there for other people to find as well. So again, thank you so much for the time this week. We'll be back next week with another show. But until then, happy birthday to Nick's dad. And of course, bear down, Chicago.
It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo and Maria in Miami, Jules in Minneapolis and Stan in central Indiana, taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations so you get the product you're looking for. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.